0: Every town has its stories, its secrets. What possible harm could come from sharing them, hmm? This is Small Town Horror. Small Town Horror is a weekly podcast presented without commercials which means it's up to you to keep the search going with your donations. I've only been able to keep doing this as long as I have thanks to the support of the listeners as I search for answers. Please visit patreon.com smalltownhorror to ensure those answers are found. Before I get to the part you know, let me give you the short version of how we got there. The idea all along had been to stay a couple of steps ahead of that whispering bastard, keep him around us thinking he was following us but not realize we were leaving him a trail so we could feel safe we really had no way of knowing if it worked or if he followed us at all from the resort the only thing I had to go on was his continuing to post on the podcast feed trying to bait me into going back to Creighton when he finally uploaded the audio of Sarah what else could I do? I had to let him find me. The only thing I had in my favor was that he probably didn't know I knew what he looked like. Being a nameless, faceless person in the crowd was the ultimate way to keep me under thumb. Keep me paranoid. The problem with this, amongst the dozens of other problems with all this, is that I didn't know why. Why would he care? Why would he want to keep following me at all? You want to know, paranoid St. Clair? Try staying up at night trying to figure it all out. If I slept for a week straight, I wouldn't catch up on all the rest I missed out on just trying to figure him out.
1: How are we supposed to know if he's actually following us?
0: We need to get him to come find us.
1: That just goes back to the whole how part. Suddenly feel the need to tweet? Exactly. You don't know if he's actually been going to the places you've been posting pictures of.
0: This isn't a picture. I'm flat out saying what we're doing. Kind of. Which is? Going to talk to Tom.
1: I don't think they're going to let us talk to him again.
0: I don't think so either. But I want him to think we are. Tom's a survivor. He heard the laughter. They let him go, but more than that, he can actually talk. He's not catatonic. Maybe if he knows that I'm not just running away, that I'm actually looking for answers, he'll come see me, regardless of if he was looking before.
1: But what's the end game? What happens if you see him again?
0: How is I supposed to answer that question? I suppose the answer could have been, whatever you say, just don't lie. But... We called the police.
1: I thought you said there wasn't enough to connect him to any of this.
0: Maybe there isn't. But before, there wasn't a life at risk. What?
1: I just can't believe she's still alive.
0: Neither can I. But I gave up on her once, and I won't do it again. That last part at least sounded a little noble, didn't it? Like for just a moment, I'm a good guy trying to do good things. Even a blind squirrel, right? The thing is, I had no idea where he was. If he was actually following where I was tweeting pictures out to, he was at least a couple hundred miles away. Maybe he'd see the tweet and immediately come to find us. Maybe he didn't care at all. He just as easily could have been a hundred feet away from me as he could have been halfway around the world. All we could do was sit and wait and hope. Remember the blind squirrel part? not like there was a handbook for this that i could read and trust me reddit was not helpful 4chan was just plain mean for three days we went back and forth between a motel and the institution we'd leave our own tent and get some groceries something to eat in the car and drive slow looking to see if we were followed as we drove to the institution It was far enough away from the city that random cars weren't likely to have just happened to go there. If there were other cars in the lot with people sitting in them, we'd do a quick lap around, check out who it was before parking near the back of the lot. Very Cloak and Dagger. Very ridiculous. James Bond made it look so much easier. Every time a car drove in, I'd wait for a moment to see if they got out. If they didn't get out right away, I'd walk slowly towards the front door of the institution, maybe seeing if they'd follow me. Even if they didn't, I'd never go in. I'd make it look like I was too nervous or scared and walk back to the car, making sure to get a look at whoever was sitting there. He didn't know I knew who he was. That was all I had to go on. We do this until late afternoon. After visiting hours were over and to the point that we'd have to go to the bathroom anyway. Then we go right back to the motel, always looking behind us. It's a different kind of stress. That first day there was a charge of excitement and fear and anticipation. But it didn't take long for that to turn into boredom and doubt and a different kind of fear altogether. That sort of thing. It can only make whatever anxiety and paranoia you feel... worse. That first night, all I did was question the things I had done for the past month. We should have left the country. The second night, I thought darker thoughts. I considered how I could actually make it all end. It was on the third day.
1: Here comes someone. Okay. Can you see the driver?
0: Not really. Just looks like a man.
1: He's not getting out. It looks like he's on the phone.
0: I'll take a walk. Was just a glance, just a flash, and I saw it. I saw him. In that one moment, I was never so certain of anything. The man in the car was the man who had followed us to the resort. The man who had been in the motel room back at Creighton. The whispering man. Look concerned. What? Look concerned about why I wasn't able to go all the way in, and don't talk. It's him. I sat there on the passenger side of the car, shaking my head, trying to act as if I was dealing with some kind of personal issue, like I couldn't bring myself to visit someone in the hospital, like talking to Tom was too much for me. We waited for a moment before Julie pulled away. Slow, but not too slow. But the car in the lot didn't move. Come on, come on, come on. And then, there I was. Just as we were preparing to turn onto the main road back into town, the car eased its way out of the lot. What should I do? Go back to the motel.
1: He's not just going to follow us in.
0: Do you really think he's just going to follow us to the police station? Go back to the motel.
1: You don't know that.
0: No shit. I don't know any of this. I didn't know he was actually going to show up here. But here he is. I'm doing my best. The longer things went on, the more I regretted Julie being there. I mean, I was glad she was there. I needed her to be there, but I hated that she was there. I'm a miserable bastard on good days. So in the middle of all that, she had to put up with a lot of my pissy attitude. I tried real hard to be better. But it's hard to hide who you are. Especially to the people you care about the most. Just like Julie thought, he didn't follow us into the motel. We just kept on driving down the road. I can't say if I really believed you would come back to the motel or if I was just trying to will myself into the idea. Either way, for the rest of the night, I sat in a completely dark room near the mostly closed blinds, staring out at the motel entrance. Well, not the entire night. I mean, that's a thing, isn't it? These things you hear, they're the boiled down, edited version of the hours, days, months of my life, you get to hear the abridged version of it all, but more than anything else, more than the paranoia or the fear or the questions, there's waiting, a lot of waiting, sitting in the car, sitting in motels, just sitting in silence. Doing what we can to pass the days. It's not like we had jobs to go to. That makes for some long days. Even after watching him drive past the motel, it was only about five in the afternoon. So, we did what we did so many times before that. We ordered takeout and watch movies. I still stayed near the window to keep a lookout. Julie flicked through the channels before settling on Dick Tracy of all movies. Not the old cartoon, but the less old movie. You know, the one with Al Pacino and Warren Beatty and Madonna. I remember it being a better movie. But I guess I was still pretty young when it came out. There's this part in the movie. I'm sorry, but I don't feel the need to call spoilers on a 25-year-old movie where this character shows up he's called the Blank if you've never seen it before the whole gimmick for Dick Tracy transferred from the comics with the gangsters having these weird physical appearances like flat top or prune face the Blank was just this shadowy mysterious figure with literally no face he could talk and everything but it was just a smooth surface sure it turns out to be Madonna in a mask but that's not the point the thing was, there was this faceless figure looming in the background. And it got me thinking. I'm sorry, I don't mean to go all emo here. It just, it happens. But everything the Whispering Man did, he did without my ever seeing him. He didn't have a face to associate to the pain. It was just actions and his voice. When I close my eyes at night, I don't see a face. But I can still feel him there. Because when evil has a name and a face, you can avoid it. Isn't that what Tom said? It wasn't some schoolyard bully or overbearing ex or micromanaging boss. It wasn't someone I could see and walk away from. It could have been anyone, and he could have been anywhere. Even after seeing his image on the camera, I still couldn't associate it to him. I couldn't put together that feeling with a real flesh and blood person. I think even at that point I tried to convince myself that it wasn't really happening. That no one was really following us that it was all just a mistake. It was around midnight and I was barely awake when I saw it, not a car. My mind had been so focused on listening for a car coming in or seeing headlights after the sun went down that I barely registered seeing someone walk into the motel lobby, seeing him walk into the motel lobby. I knew it. I sat there and watched for him to come back out. After a few minutes, he took a lazy circle around the parking lot like he was just wandering to his room and for just a moment, caught him looking towards our room. That moment, frozen in forever, when I actually looked into the eyes of a monster. He couldn't see me. I knew he couldn't see me, but the terror of that moment, like he could see through the darkness and into me, was so much, I started to shake. But he kept walking. I could barely make out him going in the room a few doors down from me, right next to the soda machine. Any further and I wouldn't have been able to see the door. How's was that for small miracles? I sat there, almost pressing my face against the glass to see where I'd be able to come out of, wondering if he was going to come for me, for us. Maybe up until that moment, it wasn't a lie. Maybe I really did want to get him to the police, but that didn't matter anymore. I looked back at Julie, sleeping and looking away from the door her back to me she trusted me so much she knew I would never fall asleep leave her vulnerable she was partly right leaving her in that motel room I had to wonder if I'd ever see her again for so many reasons I'll spare the details of how I got the key to his room for the sake of this story I stole it No sense in getting the motel in trouble along with me. This is my burden. What happened next catches you up to what you already know. Yeah, motherfucker, I hear it. Now, can you hear me? I left him tied and gagged with the laundry line from his bathroom he went to find his car. He'd parked it a room back and by the time I got back to his room he was awake again. In the movies people stay unconscious for so long. Turns out that isn't too accurate. Getting him into the trunk of his car wasn't easy, but it was disappointing. Keep in mind, I loaded a semi-conscious body into a car and just drove away. Wrapped in a bed sheet or not, that's fucked up no matter what the circumstances. Anyway, so we drove. We drove to a place. I didn't actually have a specific place to take him. If you can't tell by all this, I'm not great with plans. So knowing full well that I was going to have to leave him, I put him someplace where he couldn't cause problems. I needed to get something ready. Before I left, I figured I should say something. Shut up. You really think there's anything you can say right now that's going to make any difference? What? What's so important? No one's going to hear you out here. Fine. Make it good. Who, who are you? Wh- why are you doing this? Please, please just let me do You can take my wallet. Whatever you want. Just don't hurt me. Please. I have kids. What you want. Who are you? See what I had to deal with? Until next week. Small Town Horror is a weekly podcast presented without commercials which means it's up to you to keep the search going with your donations. I've only been able to keep doing this as long as I have thanks to the support of the listeners as I search for answers. Please visit patreon.com smalltownhorror to ensure those answers are found.